In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. The Telegraph. The Telegraph. Podcasts. This week, I'm going to start with the guest we have now. I want to thank this guest because in 2003, I went through a really horrible breakup and one of your songs was basically got me through, you know which song it's going to be, No. Leave Right Now. Oh, it's such a sad song. It's such a sad song. And I went to see you at a beat. It's Will Young, by the way, everyone. Hi. <laughs> Hi there. Yeah. I went to see you at a theatre and you were playing, you were singing with a BBC Philharmonic Orchestra. Oh my God, did you come to that? Yeah. The Radio 2 thing? Yeah, it was amazing. That was so cool. It was so weird. I was just thinking about that the other day because I did, it was, it was two parts. There was an interval. Yeah. Which I kind of, you know, got to have like a sit down. And, uh, <laughs> it's um, always important. Yeah, like, Is that why they put intervals OAP, in? OAP, 20 year old pop star. <laughs> Rickety knees. And, uh. We did quite a few covers, I remember, me and the band at the orchestra, and I sang a Nina Simone song called Hell, and it was just to sing with an orchestra is, I don't know, really, it's just kind of, it doesn't happen very often with me, and it's a complete pleasure, you know, to have that wall of sound. It was at the Mermaid Theatre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was amazing. I was oh, in tears, in a good and, way. And you got, you know, your heart mended. My heart got mended. Yeah. Here we are, and you're 15 years later. Married with a child. You've got a daughter. It's all fine. It's all yeah. good, guys. So if you're listening to this right now and you're going through a terrible breakup... <laughs> come to the moment. Come theater, to the moment. Listen, yeah. to, live, listen to Leave Right Now oh and just, you know, just get out there. It's a sad song, that. It is a sad song. And it's a great song. It yeah. is a great song. And kind of... Egg White wrote it and he just... They actually... They sent it to me. It was my A&R lady... Still don't really know what NR means, but she was what? helping me with my music. Um, Joe McCormack, who sadly passed away, um, and she did all my records by the last one, and I was devastated when she went. And uh, she found the song from Egg White, and they sent it in. And I said, oh, I don't want to, don't want to do it. I don't want to do a ballad. And uh, Steve Lipsom, who was producing my record who had told me if you want a career I need to produce your record and he'd done Annie Lennox and Whitney Houston Grace Jones Art of Noise and I was a massive fan of the Art of Noise and he said you've got to do this song like you're making a huge mistake because it isn't just a ballad it's it's, oh it's a story isn't it yeah it's just like Egg writes amazing lyrics I I actually call them words and not lyrics because they're they're very conversational Uh you know yeah and that song is very conversational and I think that's why I still enjoy performing it. It's very relatable. Yeah. And I think those are the best pop songs. Mm. Yeah. 
So, Will, we start each podcast by asking the question, how are you? Now, it's not like, not as in, how, yeah, I'm fine, I'm fine. You know, we mm. all say that. We kind of part, you know, a million times a day. Everyone knows. What we want to know is, I really want to know, how are you right now? I'm really good right now, thanks. Yeah, I feel very present. I feel mm-hmm. grounded. There's a lot going on, sort of tough and wonderful. Mm-hmm. which is part of life. I mean, it's being, it's quite a full-on day today. I didn't know that was going to happen when I woke up. <laughs> but there we go. And I'm handling it really well. Good. Yeah. So, how, so that so makes me... So I feel... I always call it an adult. I feel like an adult. You feel I'm like in a very right? functional adult state. How old are you, Will? 38. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I can't wait to become an adult. <laughs> I'm 36. I'm still waiting to feel like one. You've spoken in the past about PTSD and anxiety, yeah, yeah, and you've yeah. written really brilliant pieces for the Huffington Post about listening. And you also wrote a really great one, which was about television and the portrayal of mental health on TV, which was really interesting. Can you explain a bit? You were asked to do something, <laughs> and it was really quite shocking. Well, I've got post-traumatic stress disorder, which people equate rightfully so with people in the military you know lots of people have it and it comes from trauma and I could talk to you about trauma for ages do so oh brilliant yeah get comfortable (laughs) and uh, (laughs) basically I've been looking to do a show on PTSD and trauma and and how trauma actually underlines 99.9% of addictive behavior toxic behavior you know all that kind of thing and I, I deliberately didn't and won't tell you the channel but I got a TV idea pitched to me where they did exposure therapy mm-hmm. uh, which is a form of therapy where you expose people gently I'm using that word on purpose <laughs> to past trauma traumatic energy you know all those things and you're, you're meant to do it over a sort of 8 to 12 week period mm-hmm. they wanted to do it as a test they've never done it before over a 24 hour period mm-hmm. so everything that should be done in 12 weeks in 24 hours and have me in just a house or something with other celebrities you know <laughs> having exposure therapy having exposure therapy and then seeing what would happen and I was speaking to Becca my manager who is here looking delightful and uh, saying look I've got a right to this person that's casting it because this is actually one I'm really cross and if I'm cross I have to get it out in an adult way also I said this is bad news people are going to get really hurt by this mm. um and this is not teaching the worst thing was it was for young people it was their kind of initiative for young mental well-being so I rang up the person and I kind of did go to town a bit yeah good because what I said is if you expose people too quickly what they do is they their amygdala which is at the back of the brain gets hijacked which is the fight and flight uh-huh. freeze response of our brain it's the mammalian kind of caveman part lizard part that will take over so you, your frontal lobes go which means you're not present you're uh-huh. not present you can't be present if your amygdala's triggered that can lead to suicide mm-hmm. it, it does lots of people who who are in suicidal behavior are just completely hijacked their brain is hijacked and i said this is what you're going to do i said it's disgusting the portrayal of mental health on telly I have obsessive compulsive disorder which is a really serious illness and when I see obsessive compulsive cleaners on channel 4 I want to scream because it's not helpful it isn't helpful and it isn't and it's not entertaining having a mental illness no and it, and, and those shows aren't educating <laughs> no and what they want to do you know hearing you talk about your OCD they want to sensationalize it mm. and but they're not getting any message across but the problem is that they think that people will switch off. They're obsessed with people switching off. If you make it boring, talking about 
OCD or PTSD or you know hypervigilance, depression, suicide. It's not a Saturday night talent show. You no, know what I mean? No, it's, it's not. Like, <laughs> what I said in the article at the end is if you change one person's life from seeing that, it's worth it. Yeah, yeah. But they're just obsessed. So their whole initiative for mental well-being programs, on the whole, is completely starting from a default position. Not all of them. Not all of them. But a lot of them. <laughs> but a lot of them, yeah. And, um, and I've had it a few times. It wasn't just that one channel. I've had it a few times. You started on Saturday night talent shows. Speaking of Saturday, you know, obviously yeah, Pop Idol. You were yeah. like the original. Yeah, I know. Way before the X Factor. Yeah, and watch that- it back now. It looks like Eurovision from the 70s. <laughs> I remember watching that, Pop Idol. <laughs> and it was like you'd go into a little like hotel room, like a conference room. And there'd be Simon Cowell sitting on the other side of a, like a desk. Yeah, yeah. And it'd be like a, really, like a desk that you work at. Yeah, yeah. It was really, really basic, wasn't it? Really basic. <laughs> they hadn't put the desk order in. They didn't realise it was going to go to like however millions of people but yeah I, I think the simplicity was quite charming charming and there was a naivety because no one knew what was going to happen and you won pop idol and that was what 15 15 years ago 15 and a half years ago wow and then you yeah. also talking about television and mental health and well-being and I'm you don't have to answer obviously anything else you were on Strictly and you dropped out for personal reasons was that to do with your that mental was a leap from, from oh, 15 no, years I know, ago. I know, I'm saying, I'm saying. Oh, like within the talent but tell, You know, was that like for your own mental well-being? You're like, my, yeah. my mental health is more important than oh, being... Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, I was not well. And I, I haven't said this, and I feel this conduit, your show, is the right medium to say it. Yeah. I was really ill with my PTSD. Really? And um, I was dragging myself to rehearsals. I, I just couldn't do it anymore. Mm. And I actually getting a lot of airtime, Becca. I rang up Becca and literally I was stammering. I got a stammer mm-hmm. and I don't st- stammer. Sorry. I've got a lisp, but I don't stammer. And Becca was like, you can't do this anymore. This is... And I was really proud of myself because uh, I, I didn't... I could have stayed on and got more money, more exposure. I mean, the, the fallout from it was quite horrific. You know, I was thinking on the way here, actually. People were, re- were really unpleasant. Mm. If you're suffering from a mental illness and you're having to leave the show, I would you're like I would love to be leaving this show because I had an argument with a judge. Do you know what I mean? Well, Not because yeah, of the no, stuff exactly. in my head. Would have made it easier, you know, <laughs> or an injury. I mean, it was so bad. I thought about. I'm not joking. I thought about breaking my leg just really? so I could get out of it because I didn't want to say because I didn't want it used as fodder. And I yeah. thought, no, no, I can keep this to myself. So I said personal reasons, but people can't handle that. You know, they're like, what? You know, this need to know is so compulsive and so damaging can you talk about the the trauma is it oh we can be made up of big traumas or little traumas you might throw your water bottle at me and i'd be like oh that's not very nice and if my experience of that is a big trauma it's all about my experience yeah then if i don't release the energy of the experience if i feel hopeless and helpless that energy just stays in my system Mm -hmm. and then it it sprouts out different nerve endings this is very simple by the way Mm, my, my explanation through your nervous system and if the parasympathetic system cannot calm Mm -hmm. me that energy will just stay around and start affecting my behavior my belief system Mm -hmm. so it's all about getting the energy out and there's a chap called peter levine who wrote a book called waking the tiger which was a seminal piece of work where he realized that animals if they get attacked and they survive you know an impala will just shake and shake off the the trauma and then they're fine so actually in my therapy, I've done a lot of shaking, literally, and I get very hot. 
and really? I sweat. Yeah, you know, it's been five years. So, but to answer your question, I've had lots of traumas, mm-hmm. uh, but really it stems from uh, abandonment, and I think a lot from being a twin because Rupert was ill, so we were separated because he had to go into an incubator. Trauma from when? From, from that, from birth. Yeah. Yeah, which I'm really pleased about. <laughs> so, like, it's not my fault. I was a baby, you know. But now, actually, with twins, they'll wrap them up together. Really? But then they didn't. So I, that's really where it came from. You were separated from. Yeah, because I suppose you've yeah, been in the womb and. Well, it's pretty heavy. Yeah, we came and we came to life together, and then he he got um, pneumonia. Yeah, he was very ill. Wow. Yeah. So that's where it's come from. But I'm really. It's been like the most horrific thing ever, but it's also been the most incredible thing because I've had to work through, it's literally been like time traveling mm-hmm. through boarding school was really tough, my my prep school. Was that, I mean, being gay at a board, did no, you know? No, is it funny you say that though, but no, lots of people think that. No, at prep school, uh, it was just a vicious place, yeah. Okay, so just beating. Vicious, and... it was just horrific. But then Wellington that I went to from 13 to 18 was better. And then university was great. Yeah. Where did you get to university? Exeter. Exeter. Yeah. Probably the best university in the world. That's what they say. All these stickers. Yeah. I know on cars. <laughs> I had a great time. Did yeah. you go to that nightclub? Was it Timepiece? Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> Timepiece. We had. I'm saying it again. Becca went to Exeter did University. You? you did. And Becca's a twin. Are you a twin as well, yeah. Becca? Becca, do you want to come in and be? We're going to have to take a picture of you and I put know. it on the website oh, so no, everyone she can won't have that. visualize this beauty. Yeah. Uh, anyway, but back to PTSD. Yeah. <laughs> but can I say Timepiece? Sangria time. night on a Tuesday. Brilliant. Brilliant. Oh my god. Big ups. I didn't go to Exeter uni, but I had friends that went to Exeter. Did so you? I, I've, you know, spent some time in. Time Where did you go? Did you I go didn't to uni? go to uni. No. So you went straight from college. I went into straight work? from school to. Well, this isn't about me. <laughs> I went straight from school to. I did work experience during my gap year. I went to university for a term to UCL. But by that point, it's very weird. But I managed to wangle myself a column on the Express writing about being a teenager. Amazing. Which is where I was doing my work experience. So I dropped out. That tenacity. Wow, I really applaud it. Yeah. I remember getting a job, hearing you say that, I remember getting offered a job in my second year of university at Sony Publishing because I'd gone there for work experience. And it was Celia McCamley and Rachel Lyre who were the bosses. The first thing Rachel said to me when I came in was, whatever you do, don't let them realise we're shit. <laughs> <laughs> Which I just thought was, was so great. And I told my dad, they've offered me a job. And he went, take the job. Don't go back to, you know, to education. It's like, this is what you need. You know, everyone needs a job. So did you do it? No, no, I, st- I wanted to do another year. It's turned out all right for you. It turned out all you can right. Go, you can always go back to uni if it goes... Yeah. I, was, I always say that. I go, I can always go back when it inevitably goes wrong. I'd like to. I'd love to do another degree. I don't. I feel like I don't use my brain enough. And I spend quite a lot of time talking about myself. And you, do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. like with the job. And yeah. All friends would just say normally anyway. But you know, I'd like to tax my brain a bit more. Thinking about other, thi- other I think things. That's why I like the writing, you know, doing the journalism things. Because yeah. it's... It's not would you like to do some pieces for the Telegraph? Yeah, I'll okay. do. But I'm a hack for hire. I'll, ta- I'll, I'll, I'll do it for anyone. Are you available on election day? <laughs> we no, can do thank some you. extra. <laughs> we can do some extra. No, so can we talk a bit back? Because I think it's really interesting. We haven't had anyone on this podcast yet. Spoken about PTSD. Yeah. So it's really interesting to hear you and to get that kind of message out. Because mm. I didn't know that, and I consider myself quite well up on kind of mental health issues mm. and stuff. Uh, so it's really great to be able to get that out to people 
who are listening or who may kind of not know that they've got it or how is it manifesting itself so you you got a stammer you were oh i got uh, a stammer i couldn't eat i couldn't sleep i had diarrhea i wet the bed really when it was really bad i got depersonalization and derealization so i was doing cabaret the musical for the first time in in town in london suddenly i couldn't see my face in the mirror just one day i woke up Really? Yeah, and I couldn't recognise people. I couldn't emotionally recognise people. So if I, let's say, I'd see my mum, I'd be like, well, I know that's my mum, but I've got no kind of emotional remembrance of things. It was like I had suddenly become a robot. Mm. And that was hell. I had suicidal thoughts. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, sometimes I had the Samaritans on, like, had my phone with the Samaritans there. Did you speak to them? No, I never got to that point. What I will say is that's why I opened a centre a while ago for the Samaritans. They were kind of ingrained in my memory as from a child, I guess, just knew about the Samaritans. And, um, you know, it was really dark, really that's dark. And to, to not, you know, I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy to have depersonalization. I wouldn't. I so know other people that have it, and it can get really, really bad. You feel like you're in a film, you start questioning existence and your brain can go mental but luckily I didn't I didn't go there I noticed you have a black dog tattooed on your yeah I do yeah that's not to do with it's not to do with depression Churchill um, (laughs) quotes of depression no it's lovely though I might get one I like um I can show you get sort of Victorian oh you've also got a robin on your robin that's my dad's name and I've got a bell my well, mum's name we, is we Annabelle. They're, they're beautiful tattoos. Yeah, they are beautiful. I'm, I I think, te- can I take some pictures on my yes, phone? Yes, you can. <laughs> so we can put them on. Yes, please Put, put them on Instagram. I should have lied and said I drew them myself. Yeah. Um, and the dog, I, I got that in, in Cornwall, in Falmouth. It was 40 quid and I love it. There's something about it. I don't know. It just looks very kind of watchful. It's beautiful. Yeah. I might have to go and get one. I've never had a tattoo. Oh, but I, get, might. oh I love it. I look at them and they, they just make me happy well that's interesting isn't it because that tattoo does make me happy and to have a black dog on your arm which is obviously you know the the metaphor for depression that Winston Churchill is quite to be able to kind of I think life is all about turning negatives into positives I say this again and again so if you can take that and look at it and if you're feeling bad it kind of cheers you up that's it feels very protective and I'm very into kind of shamanism and animal metaphors and how spirits can kind of be with us to protect us I'm into all that all that stuff all that stuff oh by the way Mm. and now I say the shaman because the how I got out of my depersonalization is I saw a shaman I can't tell you what happened I don't know (laughs) but honestly I just thought I've had enough I was at a friend's wedding I was like I've had enough of this I'd heard about this shaman I got in touch had no expectations and I came out my depersonalization is gone really you How can't get rid of it with medication. You can't. It's just, you know, some people live with it forever. But this has been like something that's been going on now for for years. Five years. Okay. So did it kind of come to a head last year, do you feel? No. I'd been in treatment twice at a place called Kieran House, which is the only place in Britain and one of the only places really in the world that specialises in treating PTSD. And I think I'd just overworked, to be honest. So it- I'd done two tours and a record and I just think it was too much for me and I decided to take on Strictly because I love dancing. Mm-hmm. I bloody love dancing. 
and I bloody hated it <laughs> because I was so ill. I couldn't enjoy it. Mm. And I thought, I can't do this. This is just, come on, you're making yourself worse and worse every day. If you'd been diagnosed with cancer or something during... And I hate the sort of stigma that is attached to all these things that you felt you had to say personal reasons because... I hope that one yeah. day we'll be able to. You'll be able to go. I have PTSD. This got too much. I had. To, I have to take some time off to look after myself. Yeah, it, and and if it was a broken leg, that would just explain it in a sentence. Well, that's why. I th- yeah, I think I didn't want it to be used by more unpleasant journalists, and there are lots of pleasant journalists. I want to say, mm. just sort of to be spun and turned back against me in some sort mm. of vile, you know, sort of bile thrown at me. And that's why I said personal reasons. But then, you know, talking to you, I can talk about it intelligently and you're interested, you mm. know, and, and then that's great because if people are listening and they think, oh, because trauma is very under, underexplored in this country. Mm-hmm. And the problem is that we go to medication very quickly. I've, I've wrote a kind of I wrote a kind of dissertation on it one <laughs> night when I couldn't sleep. It's really weird because I've had a lot of medication from a great psychiatrist mm-hmm. and I monitored how the medication would affect me mm-hmm. with my trauma and all this nervous energy and because you know, I'd get fits and shake and so I literally am a walking experiment on how medication cannot heal traumatic energy that's stuck in the body so how do you heal traumatic energy you have to go back into it with mm-hmm. body orientated therapy talk mm-hmm. therapy works the thing about trauma and I mentioned it earlier is a part of your brain gets triggered so you go into you know, I would go into fight or flight or freeze response. So when people do CBT and they're telling people, you can just get to that party if you use these methods. CBT is great and I've done it. Mm-hmm. But if they're triggered, I might as well be telling someone to walk into a burning fire. Right. You know? And the problem is then people are shamed because they think, oh, I'm not doing the CBT. It can't be cured by the mind. It can be. It has to be cured by the body. And it's a biological thing. It's not a weird kind of, you know alternative therapy mm-hmm. the energy is just stored and the nerves will fire at any trigger if you throw a water bottle at me and i get triggered by water bottles i consciously won't know it but i might say oh, i get constant anxiety i won't even realize i'm getting triggered those nerves are getting fired those past memories that past energy is just rushing in my body and and that the only way to do that is by exposure therapy but very gently very very gently so you release it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's taken me a long time. You went in for inpatient treatment. Yeah, I went in again after Strictly. Pretty much immediately I was like, I'm going into treatment. And, you know, that was probably the toughest of the three times, I think. Rob Rinder, who was on Strictly. Yeah, who, um, Judge. Judge Rinder. Yeah. We're great friends from that show. And he called me once and he was like how's it going I said it's really tough and he's quite like to the point Rob and he went well what do you expect it's therapy I was like oh yeah good point he was like what do you expect just get on with it I love yeah. that there was a great Carrie Fisher before she died she wrote this piece and um, someone had asked her because she had bipolar but she also was an addict she started going to AA and NA meetings and she said to her therapist I'm not enjoying them these at all <laughs> and he said you're not supposed to be enjoying them that's the point point." <laughs> and it was I love and that it's true you have to face these things I have to and I had to and I will say something about bipolar by the way people often misdiagnose trauma for bipolar really because they're very similar symptoms you can get triggered and go really up and go manic and then 
you can go down again and people see it as bipolar but it's not necessarily bipolar so do you have those symptoms i did yeah i did because because when i was feeling fine i'd be really happy and great but most of the time i now realize i was pretty much in the fight or flight state the whole time yeah um which is a very sad thing you know there's a lot of grieving for that it's like oh god okay that's why stuff's been so difficult you know relationships so difficult friendships you know terrified of connecting with people very common thing scared about going to parties might pull out last minute social anxiety maybe just not feeling really that safe around friends well the most amazing thing though is as that's gone i now not cognitively but just something's left in my body i now have much stronger connections with my friends than I ever did before. My last relationship, which has ended now, was great. I was really, I was quite proud of myself. I was like super functional, you know, (laughs) and not going mental. Because that was an area that was really hard for me, relationships. Mm. I go to things a lot more now, which I wouldn't do. I'd say I'd go to something and then I'd pull out. Mm. It still happens, but there's been so many changes within me. I can't really explain it just because the, the energies has just left. The trauma's going, you know, it's gone. Being around you is quite relaxing. Oh, that's that nice. What a nice thing to say. Like, you're just kind of really, I don't know, you seem really comfortable. Yeah, I am. I mean, I still have really bad days. I had a really tough couple of days last week, you know, mm. really tough, where I was kind of shaking again mm. and kind of almost fitting. I saw my psychiatrist and he was like, yeah, this is quite shit. <laughs> I thought, well, thanks, Stephen. At least you're saying how it is. Um, <laughs> not, you're not, not sure. I like that, you know, it. he's really good. He's a really good psychiatrist. But yeah, I still have tough days. Very tough. But I am very content in myself. Really content. And I'm really pleased. All that therapy has been worth it. I feel extremely fortunate because it was really expensive. Mm-hmm. I probably spent at least half a million quid on my therapy. Really? Yeah, yeah. It's expensive. I've at least spent 200 grand on treatment alone. Going into yeah. rehab, into not rehab, sorry, but that's how people into... Yeah, re- into, well, you well, are rehab rehabilitating for PTSD, yourself. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, 10 and a half grand a, a month. Bloody Not hell. working as well. And I could afford it. Mm. You know, most people can't afford that. It makes me desperately sad because I just see people and I think, no, I see the beauty in everyone. I think, well... <laughs> most people <laughs> you know like I think it's really interesting there's such a culture of shame mm. not just in the media you know it's in us as well so mm. like, I can't blame the media you know it's like who's feeding who we're such a shaming culture in, in England I don't know why we have it I mean our sarcasm is amazing mm. and our humour is just like I wouldn't live anywhere else mm-hmm. no way I love it here I love it but the shaming is so bad. Of course, it particularly comes out within like showbiz columns and things like that. But it actually happens everywhere. The mm. shaming of politicians, shaming mm. of everyday people, shaming of different classes, mm. shaming of minorities. No one has the right to comment on anyone else. I don't have the right to pass any comment unless someone asks me for my opinion. And mm. even then, I'm allowed to, but I would never be derogatory. I always ask the question, do happy people say nasty things to others? And the answer is always no. Happy yeah. people are not unpleasant to people. Because no. <laughs> they're happy. So if someone's not being pleasant, it just means they're not happy. Yeah, it's so you know? true. We could do with being just kinder. 
I was reading, I don't know why I was reading this morning, the Casey Hopkins piece about the the Manchester attacks. And she was like, we're a country on lockdown and we've let these people in. I'm like, this was a guy born in Manchester. I was in the refugee camp in Dunkirk on Tuesday. These are kids who are running away from the same thing those children were running away from on Monday night in Manchester. And like that kind of message, we mustn't let these people in. These people are desperate. And I'm like, let's just be a bit nicer to each other. People like that, on one hand, it's sort of fascinating. I'm slightly drawn to them because Mm. it's like watching um, guerrilla warfare journalism, but it isn't really journalism. Same with Donald Trump. I'm sort of like, what? (laughs) What are you? You know, and it's it's sad because I'm feeding the monster then. If you feel self-worth about yourself, you're not going to say unpleasant things. And Mm. all those people, it's sad because unpleasant news sells more because Mm. a lot of us are unhappy so we want to read how other people are unhappy so we feel better there's a brilliant guy called Chris Ryjack and he said basically celebrities are there to make people feel better because what you do is you let's say David Beckham you build him up I look at him and I think oh god I'm never going to look like him he's perfect and then someone shows a picture of him not looking perfect and I think oh brilliant so I <laughs> so celebrities fa- provide like the ultimate feel good factor by being by them being put down and then we love to put people on a pedal still don't we in this country and then like just throw them off it again so we can feel better yeah yeah it's I amazing I really believe that it's like oh my god my life's awful and then it, you know showing a sort of bit of cellulite or something it's like oh thank god I hope what we're trying to do with this podcast is like what I want these podcasts to be is people listening to them now, you know, in their ear on the tube to work or at home and they can't get out of bed or they feel terrible. Is mm. that kind of like a big warm hug around them and say it's okay? What I've learned is if I'm authentic and I just speak from my place, my experience, you know what I'm saying to you now, I, I, I think people will relate in their own way. If I try and push a message, mm. people won't relate. So that's why I like to be honest and open. And I have no expectations. But sometimes people come up and they, you know, that they say things, and that keeps me going for years. When I think, oh God, I just want to become a gardener and you know wear Margaret Howe. Is that what <laughs> you essentially time. want to do? <laughs> oh yeah. You know what? Actually, I'd love to be a teacher. A teacher. Yeah, I do. I do some teaching. I just think. What kind of things do you teach? I teach performance. Okay. Yeah, and I love it. Could you put like kids' performance classes on? Because we live in the same place, and my daughter really, we need to get her performing. <sighs> How old is she? Four. <laughs> <laughs> Showbiz mum. <laughs> Can I bring her around? Is she? <laughs> we could do it in that old church hall that's closed oh. down. They used to have things in there. Oh, yeah. We we'll b- talk about we'll this. Talk about we could start a whole <laughs> empire. In South London. <laughs> So you seem like you're in a good place, and I also you said you know you had two you had some bad days last yeah, week. Yeah. I think being in a good place is being able to recognise that there will be bad days, and that's okay. That's there totally will be, fine. Yeah, and I just have to get through them. You roll know, with the punches. Roll with the punches, and I know what it is. This thing is, I suppose, the thing that I found really frustrating about having PTSD is people think that I'm depressed and I'm not and I would I think I've spent so much time over the last five years going I'm really happy actually <laughs> you know I've done a lot of work to be happy I said this is an illness and I think it's very hard for people to get their head around that yeah. and I can understand that but that was really upsetting for me because yeah. you know some people would go like cheer up you know everything's good <laughs> and I'm like I'm not sad my body is just buggered at the moment I think you're awesome and I think it's really I'm really glad you've come in and done this podcast because I think it's it'll be really helpful to lots of people and also 
just to hear you talking, it's it's very human. And any nasty journalists who want to go, oh, honestly, these why don't these you know stiff up our lips? That's what we got through. They can fuck off, frankly. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny. I don't know why I've got a beer in my bonnet about today. I think I just um, I just want people to just look after themselves because mm. people that look after themselves then they help other people. Mm. We're not really taught to recognise feelings. Certainly not at school. One of the best things I ever learnt was that no feelings wrong they're all on the same level mm. often we say oh I'm really happy but I've got anxiety it's like no I'm really happy and I've got anxiety mm. they're the same we're mm. not robots we're humans that mm. took me a while to learn because we shame people for having when they're kids don't be sad you know don't be angry we shame them because mm. we can't cope with it yeah uh, but I think things are getting much better yeah. Oh yeah, I think every generation it gets better and better and people like Prince Harry yeah. has done an amazing thing. I get chills thinking about the stuff that he's done. That is just going to change so many people's lives. It mm. makes me almost weep with happiness that, mm. people, that someone will take their position that wasn't even really decided. You mm. know, he had no choice and he's doing that. I don't even know if he realises how much that's going to change. There's some people who are like, oh, the royal family's duty is to, you know, maintain a dignified silence. And, and I'm like, maybe it was when the biggest killer of young men in this country was the Nazis. But now the biggest killer of young men is suicide. So it's your public, it is their public duty to yeah, talk about this and stuff. F- for young gay men, it's um, almost twice that yeah. of young heterosexual men. Yeah. It's the definition of being brave to show vulnerability. Yeah. It w- that took me a while. I was like, mm, if I'm vulnerable, I'm weak. Actually, no, it's the opposite. I'm vulnerable, I'm actually being really brave to do that. So I think people like him being brave. And you? Well, you I just are. like the sound of my own voice, <laughs> to be honest. So I'm really trying to do like a radio voice as well. It's a really good radio <laughs> it's voice. It's a good one. It's really good. Really it's quite relaxing. I mean, like, I think the BBC need to sign you up for like a late night kind of... Don't, hi, don't. I'm I did Will this Young. Dawn Chorus thing. I heard the podcast. Oh my God, it was so funny. So I had to stay up all night following the dawn chorus around the world for radio four and it was my idea of heaven but it did get to six o'clock in the morning i was outside in a nature reserve and it's all live and they said and i was like anna carice i kept on being shoved around the park with this sort of massive belt on with a radio pack and battery i literally was loving it and they were like where's will now we've only got an hour to go will this is great isn't it and i went to be honest guys i'm a bit bored now <laughs> it's like i've been doing this for six hours yeah. I was like, let's just wrap it up an hour this early we've nev- heard the birds you're, you're never going to be the next david attenborough with that attitude <laughs> young man so you're going to become the next david attenborough so that's what's next i don't know I just don't know. I mean, that's the exciting thing. Would you go back to Strictly? No, because no. I think that would be a bit weird, to be honest. Be like, oh, no, because be unfair it's on the other celebrities. Now. Where you have Yes, a bit of a bit of a head start. <laughs> no, I feel that was done, and it, it was a really good thing to do because I learned that I need need to do some more healing. But can I say just quickly, it was also a really good thing to do that you pulled out of it that you recognised that was a really brave thing to do and I think you should be really pleased with yourself for that yes instead of just pushing you. on because actually and I, that's this message I'd like to get out to anyone who's just pushing on at work because they think they have to if you're ill you're ill you've got to take some time to look after yourself yeah I completely agree and thank you I appreciate that I was pleased and proud that I did do that because sometimes enough is enough course there's money because we all need to earn money and that's that can complicate things but, um, and more and more 
the state are providing for people that have an illness that is in the mind or in mm. the nervous system as well as you know something that's more recognized mm -hmm. and i don't know what's going to happen in the future more talking i'm doing some talking on the importance of listening i kind of dress in sort of svengali like clothes do you, of, you have robes oh yeah i'm going to do the whole like <laughs> sort of wafting indian tunic i'll probably just be in an adidas tracksuit and uh <laughs> some gigs i'm doing um doing more jazz jazz stuff which is great fun so you've got some gigs coming up in june got some gigs yeah i've got hampton court 14th of june and then latitude and wilderness festival and then maybe some more acting and i've got a couple of scripts that i've written mm -hmm. and it goes on i think you are awesome thank you and having started by thanking you for leave right now i want to thank you for doing this podcast because i think it will really, it will have helped people it will help people and it's helped me in some ways, like listening and well, what you said about how happiness and sadness are equal emotions. That's I've never really thought that. You know, you feel bad and then you feel bad for feeling bad because you shouldn't feel that way. Yeah. But of course we can feel that way. I think that's a really peaceful thing. That's a kind of comforting thing to hear. Oh, good. I'm pleased because I want to write a book which is kind of like a, a handbook to well-being because I've read so many books <laughs> trying to get better. I'm like, come on. And each one has had a sort of nugget like a little jewel of information that I've hung on to and I'd love to put them all in kind of one book I'll do like half the profits for a charity mm -hmm. unless, I, unless I get the Oprah Oprah book club <laughs> and then fuck them get I'm getting the house in the Bahamas <laughs> <laughs> I got the Richard and Judy book club and I thought no did you oh my god was it ka-ching no what? sadly we sold like a hundred thousand copies which I think is pretty good that's amazing that's amazing. There's no ka-ching. <laughs> no ka-ching? I just want to get my loft done, Will. <laughs> so funny. I was looking at my loft last night. I'm not joking. I was looking at my loft because I have to keep on climbing into my loft once a day to turn my boiler back on because it keeps on turning <laughs> off. So I weasel up this sort of skinny little metal ladder. We've got one. We live in the same house. Maybe we do. <laughs> Is that you in my garden? Did I water you this morning? You did. Um, and uh, I was thinking... Oh, I don't need to try and be cool anymore. Do you live in Clapham? <laughs> <laughs> I live in Clapham. You can't be cool in Clapham. Long ago accepted that I'm not going to be cool, but I like Clapham. It's always sunny there. There's open space. There's a great... We're like pitching for Clapham. Aren't we? there's, a, there's a great new performance school that's going to open. <laughs> really? <laughs> With me and you. Yeah, yes. doing it. And a four-year-old girl <laughs> who's very talented. <laughs> if Hollywood's listening. There's a great Noel Coward quote from a play The Vortex that I was in which I kind of did my best but I really wasn't that great in it not putting myself down there's a line that says in the end we all revert to type mm. and I kind of liked that in a nice way I was like yeah I went to boarding school I'm middle class and now I live in Oxfordshire and Clapham <laughs> <laughs> and I've got two dogs good for you oh gosh what happened and I wear marigolds when I wash up it's awful He's not wearing marigolds right now, I should say. No, I'm not. Um, thank you, Will. <laughs> oh, thanks um, so much. Let's end with that quote which you said. So we'll be kind to ourselves. Happy, Look after yourself. Yeah. Happy people don't do nasty things. So the happier we are, the nicer we are to everyone. Thank you. Amen to that. Amen, sister. <laughs> If you've been affected by anything we've talked about in our podcast today, a comprehensive list of mental health services is available on our website, which is www.telegraph.co.uk forward slash madworld. 
If you want help right now, the following organisations offer free and confidential support over the phone. The Samaritans can be reached 24 hours a day, seven days a week on 116-123. Or you can contact the mental health charity Mind for advice on a range of mental health issues. Their phone number is 0300-123-3393. That's 0300-123-3393. And they're accessible 9am to 5pm, Monday to Friday, excluding bank holidays. Finally, there's Young Minds, who provide support if you're a parent or a carer worried about a child's welfare. They're on 0808 802 5544. That's 0808 802 5544. And remember this, you are not alone. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 